Kia ora koutou, no me haere mai, ki quite simply politics. Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host Holly. I'm so grateful to have you with us again for another episode. I am here with somebody I've been really looking forward to talking to and she's had an extremely, extremely busy few days and that is the Deputy Leader and Finance Spokesperson of New Zealand National Party, Nicola Willis. Welcome. Kia ora. Great to be here. Thank you so much for making some time in what has been an extremely busy few days after budget. Yeah. How yeah. how has it been going? Great. I've been around the country. I've been in Auckland. I've been in Hamilton. I've been in Dunedin uh, and about the place. Just talking to people about where our economy is at yeah. and what we need to do to fix it because it's pretty fragile right now. What has been the number one thing that you've heard from people all around the country? People are just so worried about the cost of living. Mm. They've just watched prices get more and more expensive and they want to know when's inflation going to get under control and yep. what are you going to do to take the pressure off my interest rate on my mortgage? That, mm. Those seem to be the two real pain points. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question, which you may have anticipated coming, mm. about the $5 prescription fees. For everyone listening, do you want to talk us through that? Because the comms on that arguably did landed one way, and I assume that you potentially weren't wanting it to land that way? Yeah, look, I think um, we come from the position that we don't want anyone to miss out on medicine because they can't afford it. Yeah. And at the moment, there's a blanket requirement that people pay a $5 fee. Mm. Well, we would like to make sure that anyone who's on a low income can get support so they don't have to pay that fee. Yeah. Uh, so we think that would include superannuitants. Uh, that would include people who are eligible for a community services card because they're a low-income person or family. Mm. Uh, and it would also include high health users who have to get lots of prescriptions. So we think having an exemption makes sense for that group. What we disagree with is having the universal approach of saying everyone, even the wealthiest New Zealander, um, will now get free medicine. Because I think, as we all know, there are only so many dollars to go around our health system. And whether it's cancer drugs or operations, there's a lot of things we need to fund. So we have to prioritise and target money where it's going to make the biggest difference for the most people. We do care about families who can't get medicine. Yeah. And so I regret uh, that that hasn't come through. Yeah. But, you know, that's politics. Sometimes yeah. um, we don't get our message through cleanly straight away. We can regret that, but I'm just going to make it really clear to people. Uh, we're going to make sure that families who are up against it can get free medicine. Do you think that politicians don't say things like that enough? You know, where you said, just said, like, we're going to own up to that in terms of the message landing. Oh, well, I think it's a it's a tough game, politics, mm. where the minute you admit, yeah, I didn't do that perfectly, yeah. um, your opponent's like, <laughs> see, she's not perfect. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, actually, I didn't do that perfect. I read the budget 40 minutes ago. Yeah. I got asked a question instead of leading by saying, hey, yeah, great case for low-income people, great case for people on limited incomes to get free medicine. Totally. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't get it around the right way. But mm. I'm a human yeah. and I'll make a mistake. I get it. You don't want politicians making mistakes all the time. Yeah. Um, but I don't. Yeah. I have – one of the things that interests me is that you, like me, have been a staffer, mm. but now you're an MP. Which is the harder one? <laughs> I think being an MP is the greatest job. Yeah. Because when you're a staffer, you kind of wear the pressure and the pain of wanting your party and your policies to go well. Yeah. Um, you receive the criticisms, you receive the brickbats, but 
you don't get the really big highs of the yeah. affirmation and the positivity. And yeah. being an MP, we get to really connect with people. You know, we get to speak with audiences who react to us personally uh, and give us huge affirmation. Mm. I was on the plane the other day and a woman passed me a note and she just said, Nicola, I just wanted to say thank you for standing up for me. I love it when you speak in Parliament. And I just thought, that's amazing. I'm so lucky. Uh, and a staff member doesn't get that. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's interesting here you talking about comms not landing. Because I know what that feels like on the other side. And you think, I probably could have given better advice. Yeah. But it's really interesting to think about it from the perspective of an MP too. Is that, like you say, you only have a small amount of time to make a decision and you've got to go with it, right? Mm -hmm. What is some of the um, decisions that you've had to potentially make on the fly or make quickly that you're most proud of, whether it's because of like a, a change in circumstance within the party or mm. a position that you've had to land in and go, all oh, right, we have to have a decision on this? Yeah, well, look, I think there have been um, lots of uh, decisions and moments where I've uh, felt that we've reacted well. And one I think about is when we got a tax bill yeah. turned up in Parliament one night and it was tax and remedial matters, amendment number, whatever. And so you could be forgiven for not really reading that or thinking yeah. anything much of it. But I was a diligent young woman and I went to the regulatory impact statement yep. and I started reading about it. And it was the KiwiSaver tax. Right. And what it said was that this would wipe tens of billions of dollars off New Zealanders' KiwiSaver accounts. Mm. And I read that and I thought, we have to react to this. And so that night we went out, we did a Facebook Live, we did press releases, we talked to the press and said, the government is literally imposing a KiwiSaver tax. Mm. They're coming after your KiwiSaver and we're going to get them to reverse it. And I'm really proud of that campaign because within 24 hours, yeah. the government backed down. Yeah. So that was great. We all know what happened. We saw that quite quickly, right? Did you get nervous doing the Facebook Live and leaning into this kind of stuff? Like, yeah, I mean, of course, because... Um, it's a risk, right? You, yeah. you do think to yourself, well, if the government's taken this through a cabinet committee, they've had officials look at it, they've taken it to cabinet, surely if it's as bad as it looks, they would have worked out they shouldn't yeah. do it. Yeah. <laughs> so what am I missing here? Yeah. <laughs> but no risk, no reward. And I think uh, it was a real reminder to me that even, um, even governments with all of their thousands of officials can sometimes lose sight of mm. common sense. Yeah. So if you're looking forward... Um, and you're going to lead with the common sense sort of values, what are the things that you're hoping to bring to politics, um, you know, should you become Deputy Prime Minister? Yeah, well, look, my, my values are really grounded in my belief that every individual has their own dignity and has their own contribution to mm. make to their whānau, their community and our country. And the role of government is not to replace their individual effort and initiative, but is to provide them the conditions in which they can succeed. Yeah. So we've got to reward effort. We've yeah. got to reward achievement. That's really important. We should celebrate success, yeah. however, whatever form it comes in. Um, we should expect personal responsibility because actually when we give people the gift of responsibility, we're also saying we respect you mm. and we think you are capable. I believe very much that it's a strong family or a strong community that will solve a problem uh, before a government will. That you know, government departments with all of their good intentions and their great strategy documents and their glossy pictures, 
ultimately they're clunky and slow compared mm. to an awesome family that's been empowered or compared to a community group that's been given the resources it needs to make a difference in people's lives. I believe in equal opportunity. That doesn't mean equal outcome. Because, mm. you know, if you work a lot harder and you do a lot more, sometimes you are going to get a better outcome. And mm. we have to reward that in our society. You know, you have to reward the innovators, the people who take risks, who are clever, who are just particularly hard working. Um, so I believe in equal opportunity. because I, I And I think that the way for that to occur is ultimately you've got to have a great education system. Yeah. You've got to have a great welfare safety net that yeah. keep, holds people up and gives them opportunity. So all of those values, they inform my politics yeah. and um, they're the values I want to bring to government. When you think about your time in education when you were coming up, how would your teachers have described you? Oh, it's so funny. I was thinking about that the other day in the context of my own children's yeah. school reports. Um, and I think that I was this mixture of both feisty and disruptive yeah. in a way <laughs> that could get away with itself, yes. particularly if I was a bit bored. But then also, um, you know, pretty diligent. You know, I was someone who wanted um, who wanted to do well, who yeah. wanted to, I guess, you know, please people and, yeah. and, and get good results. So if you got that out of me as a teacher, I would just go 100 miles an hour. Mm. But if I was a little bit fed up or bored, oh, naughty, but naughty, <laughs> but naughty. And I do remember I did get kicked out of the odd class and, you know, there was the odd clash. So yeah. feisty... Hardworking, kind of like when she's tamed, she's okay. Is there any teachers that you want to apologise to? <laughs> I, I won't because the ones that were the mean mean to me, um, <laughs> actually I still to this day think that they um, had a role to play in it. But there are definitely teachers I would thank. Yeah. I mean, um, Johan Barton, who mm -hmm. was my English teacher when I was 14. She was this incredible teacher and I will never forget her saying to me, in life experiences are worth so much more than things. Yeah. So if you ever have a choice between how you're going to earn a dollar or how you're going to spend a dollar, think to yourself, what is this experience going to bring me? Mm. Um, and that, you know, it was a profound insight uh, just at that age. And that was one of many. Yeah. Like she was amazing. Yeah, she yeah, really yeah. shaped my thinking. So she and lots of teachers, I would think, for their patience with me and um, the wisdom they imparted. That's a powerful message to think about experience rather than things do you have an experience that's top of mind in the past five years during your time at parliament that stands out above all oh well um I, uh, the past five years have been incredible I think I will never forget the moment uh when our caucus um uh, decided to sub nominate me to be their deputy leader yeah. and then unanimously supported that by applause. Because, you know, in politics, to be able to be a leader of your team is the ultimate kind of goal yeah. that people trust you, that they want you to lead the party. And I felt in that moment the respect of the people who I really respect and I felt a great privilege and a great call to service and... Just huge excitement. And it was surreal for me because I had never anticipated mm. that happening so early in my political career. I would yeah. never have dared to have hoped that that was where I would get to. So there was an element of surprise, I guess, um, and excitement. What did you do when you went home? Did you talk to your kids about it? Did you talk to your husband Duncan about it? Like, how did you manage that excitement, you know, with your whanau? 
hey, well, it was a whirlwind. I would, we just went straight into so much work to do mode because <laughs> it was just like interviews on no planes time. around the country, do this t- interview, do this thing, da-da-da-da-da, and it just went, whoa. Uh, and actually at that time we had a lot going on at home too. Mm. Um, Duncan had um, lost his mother. We had mm. heaps happening on the family front. So it was quite surreal really. Yeah. It was um, that mixture of you kind of get got to get on with the job but also um, I felt that when I was with my family, it needed to be family time, yeah. not Nicola talking about what's happened at work <laughs> this week time, which, let's face it, is important in my world. But actually, for the kids and my husband, they had something far more important going yeah. on. Yeah. Mm. You're just mum. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I really, really – well – I was going to say my, but that's absolutely the wrong word, is that I notice with you is your amazing sense of dress. <laughs> and I have to remind, oh, this is one of the things that I always giggle at, is not a lot of people will pick up on brands, but I wore a jumper from a New Zealand brand, Kowtow, to an event. And we were sitting there having dinner and you said to me, Kowtow? And I said, yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, they've got a great store in Wellington and, and what they're doing in terms of sustainability is awesome. So I'm conscious of their stuff, yeah. We have to do an outfit check. You have to share with your outfit <laughs> what you're wearing because I, I love it. Oh, well, you're, you're flattering me because actually someone said to me the other day, oh, Nicola, you strike me as a very practical woman. You always seem to wear trousers and I can imagine you, you wear tracksuits at home. And I was like... <laughs> Okay, what? we'll go with that, fine. <laughs> Whatever. Um, uh, hey, who doesn't love a good tracksuit? Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm totally down with that. Um, but also, we're judgment call on your clothes at home. Like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I am a practical person. Look, actually, this, I'm, I'm ashamed because you've asked me when I'm wearing an outfit that is not New Zealand. Um, this is from the Smith & Coey's 30% off sale. Uh, and apparently it is um, Tommy Hilfiger. <laughs> so who figured? I mean, this was not um, a brand that I'd ever shopped before, but yeah. pink suit with a stripe down the side. I mean, you got to do it. Do you get, because for me, I just love fashion. I love that, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, crying out loud, I'm wearing a Sailor Moon t-shirt. You know, <laughs> I love sort of eclectic things. And one of the things that I often see is wahine especially sort of get a little bit... Uh, annoyed when they're asked about their clothes and things like that but I'm genuinely just interested I find I like fashion and I like mm. that kind of stuff do you have a view on that do you get well, I guess where we all come from in politics whether you're a man or a woman is you don't want your clothes to be a distraction mm. you don't want your clothes to get in the way of what you're saying and what you're trying to communicate mm. so if someone is looking at the big coffee spill on your tie <laughs> rather than hearing the words coming out of your mouth that's a yeah. fail and equally if people are so distracted by the colour of my lipstick yeah. or the cut of my dress mm. that they're not really listening, then I haven't I haven't nailed it, right? Yeah. So you don't want clothes to get in the way. Mm. Um, but equally, I try and think of it as a little advantage we have yeah. as wahine, yeah. which is, hey, my colleagues, most of them, the men, they can wear navy, yeah. charcoal, maybe black yeah. when they go to work at Parliament. How I've got the whole rainbow available. <laughs> Have you ever, ever, ever seen a politician wear like a beige suit or uh, a white suit? Oh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good, like a, a, a man, a male politician. Yeah, yeah I think so. I mean, yeah, they yeah. do mix it up every now and then, to be fair. I'm overly restricting them. But by and large, 
you'd expect them to be wearing a dark suit, wouldn't you? I mean, that's yeah. what you'd, you expect a man to turn up in. Yeah, and I wear my share of dark suits, yeah. too, to be fair. <laughs> um, that, that is such an interesting talking point, though, because I do enjoy appreciating a wahine's clothing. And then the way some people interpret that is that like I'm minimising into the clothes. I'm like, no, I enjoy what you wear, you know? Yeah, and you wouldn't want it to be a barrier. So I think that New Zealanders are really fair-minded. So we're mm. very much, we... We judge people on their motivations, mm. on what we think they're about, on how um, how genuine they are and authentic they are. And so I don't really think voters care about what you're wearing so long as you're real, right? And yeah. so long as your clothes are respectful uh, and, um, and they go with who they think you are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How have you uh, seen yourself over the past five years uh, sort of change has there been any sort of development that you've seen or things that you've learned about yourself that you didn't expect through politics I think I've become much more confident yeah because definitely when I first entered parliament I really had the sense that every word that I wrote in an email or that I said in public had this huge kind of ripple effect around it that meant if I didn't get it perfect it yeah. could be could be the end of my career mm. it could it, and and you know and and subsequently I have made words <laughs> that have been really bad for my career so it is true that it's a high wire act but equally if you constrain yourself so much that yep. you're so worried about every word then the real you doesn't get to shine through mm. but also most importantly you don't have the confidence to articulate things clearly yep. and that is so important just mm. being clear with people um so, and you've also just got to forgive yourself that sometimes you'll, you'll make mistakes. Yeah. And, and that is okay. Actually, mistakes are part of every job. They're part of every person and the trick is to learn from them. So I've, I've learned that to not be as much of a perfectionist, basically. Yep. Yep. And I think the other thing I've learned is that I'm actually, um, I'm really sensitive. So I find events where people are really generous and kind or moments where constituents who have helped are really emotional themselves that really touches me deeply and I have learned that that sensitivity is something that um, you can in politics turn off Mm. because you think this is overwhelming but when I keep it turned on that's when I do my best work. Has that ever brought up any physical emotions like tears or anything oh like yeah that? totally yeah I've been at porphyry yeah um I've been with people where I've definitely got teary uh yeah. and I think that's okay yeah yeah we were recently at an event as well and I was quite lucky you got to introduce me on stage and one of the things that you did was nailed my pipiha <laughs> And I was absolutely stoked um, because Te Reo Māori is a journey for all of us. Do you have a have your own journey with Reo and how mm. is that going? Yeah, I, I it's something that I um, I wish I'd carried on at university. I did mm. a, um, a couple of papers at university and I dropped out of them. And I'm like, gosh, 20 years ago you knew you should be doing it, but you didn't follow it through. Yeah. Um, and I wish I had followed it through. When I started at Parliament, I had this real feeling that learning some real Māori was going to be critical to being able to do the work I wanted to do, to be able to be with the Māori 
groups and organisations and my electorate to be able to be comfortable on the ride, to be able yeah. to introduce myself in a range of settings. So I hired a tutor, a wonderful woman, um, and we met um, once a week or once a fortnight and she just took me through some some basics of how to conduct myself in different situations, different mahi for me to use, yep. to go through my own pipiha, to know some basic words and formulations. Um, I'm ashamed to say I'm not still doing it once every week or fortnight. Mm. Um, I kind of switched my focus to um, learning all of the things for my finance role. Yeah. Um, but it's certainly something that I want to keep going and learning, and it's certainly something I'm alive to and I think about. And so I, you know, whether it's with my colleague Hariti Hipango, whether right. it's with Dr. Riti, or whether it's with Tamapotaka, mm. at least once a week, I'm saying to them, "Hey, how would I say this? How do I pronounce this? Yeah. What does this mean?" What would you say to people who are still sort of umming and ahhing about taking that first step? Because it sounds like you took that first step a long time ago, right? Yeah, so. well, look, knowledge is power. Yeah. And you've just got to be prepared to get it wrong. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and so the thing is, I've found that when I mispronounce things and I get it wrong, people are really forgiving because they just want you to give it a go. Yeah. And it's the progress that counts. Mm. Like if I was still saying everything really badly two years later, I think people would get embarrassed. <laughs> but um, yeah. My, my advice would just be that if you know more, um, you feel far more empowered about it all. Yeah, yeah. It was that sense of oh, when you said, like, all of my papa because obviously that carries so much mana for me, and it was all correct in front of a room who many of them, I don't think that they sort of necessarily make that connection. I felt so honoured, mm. and it's just that kind of thing of uh, what it means to be able to share that and then hear the that intensity, like the intention behind it, mm. I'm going to share it correctly, it, it gives you such a sense of uh, support, you know, mm. somebody standing alongside you. Mm. Um, when uh, when there's been uh, sort of skirmishes through the party and things in regards to what people have been said, I saw something recently with uh, one of the, national candidates down in Taere, mm. um saying some things which potentially didn't sit well with you. Mm. How hard was that a decision for you to stand up and make the statement that you said? That oh, you made? Look, um, I just, just picking up on your last point quickly though, I just want to say that that's one of the beautiful traditions I think of, of doing a pipiha. Mm. It's a wonderful thing that when you meet someone, you say, hey look, this is actually where I come from. This is who my family is. This yeah. is what I'm about. Because wouldn't it be good if we did that in all cultures? Because yeah. that's embracing the whole person, not mm. just I'm here to be a functionary finance spokesperson today. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I love that. But look, in terms of look times when other people, you know, make silly comments, um, I've always been pretty upfront mm. about expressing how I feel about it. Yeah. And so in the case you're referring to, I, I did say, look, it was disgusting because it was. Yeah. Um, and then it's not really up to me to do the decision making about what happens from there. We've got a party structure yep. that do all of that. Uh, and I figure that it's the same rules as it is for life. If I'm prepared to say it to you, mm. to your face, and I'm quite able to say it, then I should also be able to say it publicly. But if I'm not able to say it to you in your face, then I shouldn't be saying it publicly. Do you think people shy away from that a bit much? I think none of us want to criticise each other. Mm. Um, that's not a natural um, instinct. Well, I suppose political <laughs> opponents quite like it. 
when I look at some of the um, memes of me going around, I think, yeah, some memes. Doing, yeah, well, not memes, but you know, tell cartoons. me more. Oh no, 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 I'm not. No, I'm not going there. I'm not feeding it. I'm not feeding it. Yeah. Um, but uh, you, I guess it's not. It's not natural to criticize people who are your colleagues who yeah. are in the same team. You don't feel good about that. Mm. But equally, I'm a big believer in that saying that the standard you walk by yes. is the standard you accept. So if you want your team to have a good culture and high standards, then you actually have to enforce them, which means where people aren't living up to them, you call it out. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, does, is it, does it get scary calling it out? Ah. <laughs> uh, I guess that's the bit about the confidence coming in mm. is that I don't really get scared by that anymore mm. because I have belief that I get my values and my judgment right and that I would rather regret um, having said something than regret not having said something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a good takeaway. That's a really good takeaway. Um, we are coming to the end of our time and there are a few things that we do before we wrap up. Okay. All this of these trepidation. Yes, no, no, you know, to be too scared. Well, one of one of them is the bowl of bravery, which is in front of you here, which you can see. But mm -hmm. but before before we dive into that, we pull a question out and you can choose to answer it or not. It's mm -hmm. up to you. <laughs> up to you. Um one of the things I'm always interested in is if you could have five people at a table. Mm-hmm passed on or alive mm. who would those people be and why for a dinner party that you could connect with oh but that's too easy a question is it like of course it would be my four children and my husband oh. <laughs> like obviously <laughs> and and i and i and i and i got to do that last yeah. night which was magic and it really struck me that i am working hard at the moment as you'd yeah. expect there's an election coming up um country depends on it yeah what happens in the election so I'm not having dinner with my husband and my four children as often as I'd like and yes. that is when I am at my absolute happiest when yep. we're around a dinner table we're sharing kai talking about the day yep. we're a unit and I just feel like nothing can touch us and that's beautiful for me I I'm not gonna ask you well you can't choose them because that's <laughs> such a nice <laughs> that's such a nice answer and I'm extremely grateful to be able to have your time which means I know that you're not at dinner with your whanau tonight. So nah. thank you. Thank you so much. Um, shall we do the bowl of bravery? Yes. Here we go. Okay. Here we go. So they're not too bad. <laughs> they're not too bad. All right. Okay. Here we go. What's the bet? She's got all the questions the same. <laughs> and it's just I one. haven't. It's not rigged. Oh, here we go. What is one thing you have on your bucket list? Okay. This okay. is going to sound cheesy, but I really want to do the Great Walks, the New Zealand Great Walks, yeah. with my kids. Okay. Now, it doesn't need to be all four kids on every Great Walk, <laughs> yeah. but I want to have had to have done each of them and to have had my children do them with me, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So have maybe I could have a one-on-one -on -one experience with each of them on a different Great Walk, but I want to have done the Great Walks. Would they be willing to do that? I think those are big so. Walks. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because they're older now, you know, yeah. 13, 11, 10, 7. And I'm thinking that some of these great walks are going to end up happening post-politics, Holly. Okay, okay. There's not I a see. heck of a lot yeah. of time. <laughs> but doing, yeah, doing the great walks and getting into our national parks is definitely on my bucket list. I, gotta I love say, that. i got to say, I was one of those children where I would complain every time <laughs> my parents took me on walks. So... 
I'm just power to them if they're all up for that because I was definitely not one of those children. <laughs> well, I, it's actually it's interesting because we do quite a lot of bushwalking at home. Uh, we're really lucky where we live. There's quite a lot of bush around. And um, I find when I take the boys in particular on a walk, that's when they chat away and talk to me about what's really happening at school and with their friends. Right. There's something about not being in a formal situation, just being at the, in the bush and nature, they just get a bit chattier. So yeah, yeah, that yeah. works really well for us. Amazing. If yeah. there was one thing that you could leave mm. our listeners with, what would it be mm. as we get to the end of this podcast? I think what I would say is sometimes it is um, tempting to split parliament into the parties that care mm. Um, and then the parties that don't, yeah. or to say there's the parties that care about numbers and there's the parties that care about people, or there's the parties that care about the wealthy and there's the parties that care about the poor. And I truly do not believe that is the right way to divide up the parliament. I, I genuinely believe that MPs across the spectrum go to parliament with good intentions yeah. to deliver good change for the country that's why you go and I'd say that even if my worst political opponents actually they're good they're there for good reasons actually what divides parties is the how they want to deliver progress for individuals for families for communities for the country and the how is really important but don't ever fall into the idea that some parties have bad intentions actually we all care deeply about all members of this community uh, we just have a great debate yep. about how best to deliver for them. And I think that's something really important because our politics is best when we debate the how, not when we question uh, the character and values of um, those talking about the how. Kilda, mm. that's a really, really great note to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for coming and making the time to share your whakaro with us. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and I just want to wish you luck going forward, uh, getting out and about around the country and uh, keep slaying with these amazing suits. <laughs> Thanks so much, Holly. I've enjoyed it. Go Thank well. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone. Uh, this is another episode. And remember, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, and as well as all the other platforms and check out the video on YouTube. Kakite. Thank you.